Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Love that, man. Thank you for worshiping today. Thank you for going in. Thank you, team, leading us and just going what the Holy Spirit wants us to do today. I'm just so thankful for you. So glad that you're here. We're kicking off a brand new series called Soldier, Athlete, Farmer. And uh, we just got out of a series called What If? Uh, and so if you missed any of that over the last couple of weeks, go back and check that out. Just some, just some questions that culture's asking that we wanted to look at what the Bible had to say about that. So we talked about that for a few weeks. And I'm kind of like in this moment, we're like, okay, how do we come out of that series? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we do that? But this series right here has honestly been on our heart, uh, on my heart for literally about two years. And there have been times that we had it on the calendar, okay, we're going to be able to do Soldier Athlete Farmer at this time, and then something doesn't work out, or we switched it around, or felt the Holy Spirit moving it. And I believe right now is the time that we need to run through this uh, whole idea of Soldier Athlete and Farmer. But I want to just start us all off, uh, this is what I call an all skate. So I want everybody out on the skating rink floor together, and I want you to answer it, and I want you to be real honest, because we're honest, open, and transparent at Purpose Church. Everybody good? All right, here's the deal. How many of y'all, by show of hands, have ever cried in a movie? Come on, wave at me right now. Come on, all the men's like, am I supposed to? Yeah, raise your hand, fellas, if you cried up in a movie right now. Real quick, just a little, little what are some movies you cried in? The Lion King, yes, absolutely. I mean, that is so sad. I mean, it is sad. Anything that has to do with any sort of animals, you know what I'm saying, like fox and a hound? Come on, somebody. Right there, that's a, that's a heart wrencher. What's something else? Somebody else, a, a movie you cried in? The Notebook. The, the no- <laughs> Nick, you cried in The Notebook. It's rough, he said. He said it's rough. Come on, we're going to lay, lay hands on Nick right now. He's crying in The Notebook. I like it. What else? One more, one more. Remember the Titans? Okay, when Gary Bertier dies. If you weren't watching that, he's died. He's dead at the end, okay, just so everybody knows, right? Okay, okay, cool. So, so I, I think all of us can agree, you know, there's some movies out there that we've cried in. You want me, I'm going to be honest, open and transparent with you. How many of y'all have ever seen The Green Mile? Come on, is that not the saddest movie ever? Like, saddest movie. I, I remember, like, I ain't talking about just like a little wipe it. I'm talking about ugly cry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Ugly cry when I say that. Like, in that movie, I remember crying. Okay, I'm going to throw it back a little further than The Green Mile. These are for all the people over the age of 30. Come on. It's a 1998 classic, and it goes a little something like this to where there's an asteroid heading towards the earth. Come on. Land before time? No. No. It's called Armageddon for all my... uh, Land before time, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably cry on that one too, but Armageddon. Where are my Armageddon people at in the room, all right? Okay, so you got Billy Bob Thornton. You got, not Vin Diesel, what's his name? Bald dude. Bruce Willis, that's his name. I couldn't think of his name in the first service either. Bruce Willis, come on somebody. You got Ben Affleck up in there, all right? And this movie, if you've never seen it, I'm about to ruin it for you right now. So uh, you're welcome, okay? And uh, I think that like this, what, this asteroid,
asteroid is heading towards the earth uh, and, and there's like this NASA team that is going to be going out and destroying uh, almost on a, on, a, on a mission of, of self-sacrifice to go save the rest of the world, right? Anybody remember this? Anybody remember this? means yes in Kentucky, all right? There's a lot of young, uh, young college-age uh, students in here. You may not have ever seen Armageddon, but go watch it. It's incredible, all right? So Armageddon, uh, this, this asteroid's coming and Bruce Willis... He's got a daughter named Grace. Uh, Grace and uh, Grace is engaged to Ben Affleck. I can't remember his name. AJ. That's it. AJ in the movie. And what happens is AJ and uh, Harry are on this uh, astronomical, like this incredible thing that they're about to go and blow up, try to blow up this asteroid. Come to find out that it's almost going to be a self-sacrifice mission, right? And what begins to happen is if you get down, if you get down to watching the movie, I literally was going back and watching clips this week, and I was in my office, I ain't trying to lie, crying a little bit, just watching. I'm just going to tell you because like this one part of the movie where, uh, okay, like the, 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 the younger guy, Ben Affleck, has been selected to kind of self-sacrifice himself for everybody else. He kind of drew the short straw, and he was the one that was supposed to go off and do all of this stuff. But Bruce Willis, being the Bruce Willis that he is, is, right, he says no son, he pulls his like air hose and shoves him back in this little like, I call it like the little bank things, you know what I'm talking about, little bank things, it's like, boom, shoots you up in there, that's in the movie, just go watch it, okay, like he shoves him up inside of that, goes back into the, the actual, um, uh, uh, you know, rocket ship or whatever it is, and then what happens is, is that Bruce Willis uh, is, is literally on a FaceTime, before FaceTime was a thing, with his daughter, you know, thousands of miles away from each other. And he is, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Again, if you've ever seen this movie, I'm talking about gut-wrenching, all right? Like, he's looking as a dad of daughters and one son, I'm thinking about this conversation that he's having with his daughter named Grace. And he's like, hey, Gracie, I just want to let you know that I'm about to have to break our promise, that daddy's not going to be coming home. And she's like, I don't understand. And he's like, I'm not coming home, baby. And he goes on to say, uh, like, this, these last words that he is sharing with her, and he's just pouring his heart out to her, telling her how proud he was of her, how the fact that AJ saved them, uh, her, her uh, future husband, and he wasn't going to be there to walk, them down, walk her down the aisle. And I'm talking about waterworks. Come on, somebody, right? Like, just crying, thinking about it. Like, if you haven't seen it, go watch Armageddon. It's a really fun movie. But I, I think what, what, I, what I just want to spend a little bit of time on right now is this idea of those last words that he was saying to his daughter. How many of us know that if we have a chance to say some final words, we're going to put some weight behind those words, right? We're going to say, hey, this, these, this is what I want you to know. This is how important. I'm going to leave a legacy after this. These are the final words that are ever going to come out of my mouth. I want you to know how I feel, right? I want you to be encouraged by it. I want to, I want to tell you how much I care about you, whatever it might be. I think all of us in the room can think about just different things along the way, but there's some famous last words that Bruce Willis had to say to his daughter in this in this movie but I have to think about it and I'm thinking about scripture when I think about what is happening and what we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks with this idea of soldier athlete and farmer there's this guy by the name of Paul how many of us have heard of Paul come on wave at me if that's you we talk a lot about Paul because what I want you to know is find a lot of similarities like church planting and other things like that with Paul and we'll talk a lot about the books that he wrote in the Bible he wrote half of the New Testament it's just incredible and what we're about to study over the next few weeks are these famous last words of this guy named Paul they're the last words like this book that we're going to look at second Timothy is the last letter that Paul would write before he died 
right? The last letter, and he's writing it, it seems to be the case a lot, is he's writing it from a jail cell, okay? He's not there because he did anything wrong. He's done it. He's there because of the fact that he was preaching the gospel. And so they have put him inside of jail, and he's writing to this young buck named Timothy. And what we're going to see in just a second is an older mentor, a father figure, an older brother speaking into a younger brother in Timothy. And so Paul is writing this idea. What, what's this real letter about? Really, he's trying to pass the torch of faith, the, the torch of leadership, excuse me, down to the next generation of church leaders is really what he's doing. And so he's writing this to this guy named Timothy. And he's saying, hey, yo, in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution, uh, in the face of going against culture, listen to me. Be bold. Like, be known for faithfulness. Preach Jesus and teach Jesus no other name. And then listen, be aware of false prophets that are out there that are going to try and persuade other people that it's about anything other than Jesus. And so that's what he's telling Timothy. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 2, and this is really where we get just the whole idea of this series coming to us over the next couple weeks is from verses 1 through 7. If you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. ready. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, uh, it says, Timothy, my dear son, like my son in the faith, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And watch what he says in verse 3. He says this, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up. Somebody shout soldiers. Soldiers don't get tied up in affairs of civilian life, for then they can't please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes, somebody say athletes. Right? Athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And in hardworking farmers, somebody shout farmer. Yeah, hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruits of their labors. Think about what I'm saying to you and watch what he says. The Lord will help you understand all of these things. I love that passage of scripture. And what I want us to do over the next couple of weeks is really look at the idea, these characters that Paul is framing to Timothy of an athlete, of a soldier, and a farmer. And what I want us to know is that it doesn't matter what culture you find yourself growing up in. It doesn't matter what country you find yourself growing up in, what time period you find yourself growing up in, thousands of years ago to today. Everybody understands these three roles of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, right? I think everybody does. So what is Paul trying to tell Timothy and how can you and I apply that to our lives? So today, what we're going to do is going to rally around this idea of soldier. Somebody shout soldier. soldier. Yeah, soldier. So the question I want us to ask as we're talking through today is I want us to begin to ask, okay, what does this idea of a soldier have to do with me? Like, what does it have to do with me, all right? So, so we'll kind of jump back into Scripture for a second because there's a couple verses there talking about the soldier. It says this, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. It says, Soldiers, don't get tied up in the affair of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. This is what I want you to know. If we're going to be, okay, asking this idea, okay, why is Paul writing to Timothy that you got to be like a soldier? I think there's a few things that we got to understand that soldiers, Soldiers understand. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Number one, I want you to write this down. Uh, soldiers understand that there is a war. Soldiers understand that there is a war. 
See, listen, when we think like a soldier, we begin to think about a war. See, soldiers get this immediately, right? I want you to think about your life, you and I as civilians here uh, in America. Like, you got to understand, we got lake days, right? They're coming to an end. We got birthday parties. We got movies that we can go to. We got dates that we can go on. We got family get-togethers that could take place. You could go to the tanning bed or the deer stand. Come on, somebody, right? You could do any of those things as a civilian, okay? But the minute, think about it for just a second. The minute that you are on the ground of a foreign country and you know that there is an enemy, excuse me, that is out to harm you and kill you, guess what? I want you to know that everything changes then, right? Come on, this means yes in Kentucky. Come on right now. Yeah, like everything changes. I want you to think about it as you're walking through the woods, all right? How many of y'all get scared at night when the refrigerator kicks on and you think somebody's up in your house? Come on, somebody, right? Like you're, at night, your senses are heightened, right? Well, think about it as a soldier. Really quick, as you're walking through the woods somewhere and all of a sudden you hear a twig snap, yo, you're stopping, right? Like what? I'm in enemy territory. I'm on enemy, I'm on enemy lines. I cross enemy lines. I, I'm taking things a little bit differently. Uh, a distance, uh, a noise off in the distance, you're going to think about that a little bit differently. Like you're going to think about how, you got to think, if you are there, it is changing the way that you are operating and living your life. You know what I'm saying? You can't let your guard down. You got to live in a state of urgency. You always got to be aware of your surroundings. And you always got to keep the mission at the forefront of your mind. Why? It's because they're at war. It's because a soldier is at war. See, Paul is writing to Timothy And he wants him to understand that he is at war. And I think I just came to remind some of us today, I know it may be fall break right now, but I came to remind some of us today that you are at war. That you are at war right now. That there is a real enemy that does not like you, that absolutely hates your guts and wants nothing but death to steal, kill, and destroy your life, right? And what the enemy loves to remind you and I, I think what he loves to do is the fact that I think a lot of times what he begins to do is like, like he begins to camouflage himself, right? Like if Satan just showed up in the middle of our life with a pitchfork and horns and red and like smoke, you know, introduced him on the way in, we would be like, oh, there he is. Got it. Okay, I'm going I'm to avoid that area of my life. But guess what? That's not what he does. You know what? He camouflages himself. He tries to be incognito. And I think his main goal is to get you, one of the main goals is to get you and I to forget that we are at a war. To forget that there is a spiritual war going on. He wants you just to think, you know what? I'm just in seventh grade. Or I'm just a single mom. Or we got plenty of time to go out there and, 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 you know, reach other people. Or maybe next week. Or I'm just one person. Or I'm just kind of doing my thing here at Murray, Kentucky. And again, I came to remind some of us today. No, no, no. Listen to me. You are at war. That there is an enemy out there whose sole mission is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And Paul is urging Timothy. Hey, listen, son. Listen to me. Do not forget that you are a soldier in a war. Tap your neighbor. Say, you're a soldier. So you're a soldier. You're a soldier in a war. Listen to me. I want you to know a soldier does not lose sight of that. And this is what I know is that a distracted soldier is a dangerous soldier. Right? When you, when you get your mind off of the mission, that's when it becomes dangerous. Right? When, when a soldier's distracted, it becomes so dangerous. So what does it look like? When a person, when, when, when a, a country is at war or when a soldier is at war, you know what happens? You spend your money a little differently, 
right? You train a little differently when you're at war. You live a little differently. You dress a little differently when you're at war. See, the mission gets very clear when you are at war. And so what I want to challenge some of us today, how does this affect you and me? How does this affect our life? What I want us to know, the way we approach Monday morning at the office should look different. You know why? Because we got to realize we're at war. Not against the person that we're in the office with. Like it ain't a war against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual war. I'm trying to get us to awaken up to that. Like wake up to this idea that we are at war. Listen, the way that you approach your freshman year of college should look different as a soldier at war. Right? The way that you are approaching your fall break or your dating relationship or your marriage should look different when you are at war. Right? Like this idea of Thursday nights should look different for you when you're at war. Participating on that sports team, the way I dress should look differently when I am at war. See, I think there's a different type of urgency and intentionality when you and I realize that we are at war and that there is an enemy out there that wants nothing but to destroy, kill, and, and take your life from you. Not only yours, everybody else that you encounter every single day. And so I want to challenge us today. Soldiers understand that there's a war. Amen or oh me? Everybody good? Amen. All right, number two, I want you to write this down. Uh, soldiers understand not only that they're at war, but they're a part of an army. Right? They're a part of a, a, an army. What I want you to know, in the United States of America, we have different branches of the military, of who I'm, I'm very, very thankful for. And I just want to take a second to honor some people in the room. Where are you? If you have served in any form of military, male, female, whoever you are, would you just wave at us right now? Like if that's you right now, awesome. Come on, can we thank these guys and gals for their service? Man, we love you guys. Man, thank you for that. You, you know people that are in the different branches of the army of the United States, right? Or the, the, the actual military of the United States. What I want you to know, you know some people that are in the Marines. Uh, you know some people that are Navy or Air Force or Army or Coast Guard or the Reserves, right? There's many different parts that make up the same military, right? The same military. And this is what I know. They do different things, right? There's infantry, there's mechanics, there's submarines, there's pilots, there's snipers, there's trainers, there's CIA. But here's what I know is that they all work together to accomplish one goal, right? One goal. And here's the thing. One thing a soldier knows is that they're not going into battle alone. That's one thing a soldier knows. And I don't know if you realize this or not. Does anybody realize that the church obviously is called the body of Christ? But did you know it's also called the army of God? Right? Okay, I'm, I'm realizing lately that I grew up in church where we sang a whole lot about a lot of stuff, all right? And some of y'all didn't. But y'all remember that song growing up as a kid that we sang about the Lord's army? Anybody remember that? I'm in the Lord's army. Okay, y'all remember that? Okay, okay. Here we go. You ready? I may never... Come on, I may never, for I'm in the Lord's army. One more time. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, those are all the people that went to Bible school back in the day. Come on, give them a hand right now. Some of y'all that ain't got no idea what that is are like, what in the world did I just walk into? It's time to go right now. There's things about our past we really would like to forget, I promise, okay? Like, 
That's maybe one of them. Uh, but I remember singing that as a kid, right? I remember singing this idea of, hey, I'm in the Lord's army, right? I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery, but I'm in the Lord's army. Like, did you realize that, the, 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 that believers, that the body of Christ is also considered the army of God? And this is what I know is that one thing I want, wonder is if Paul is trying to just encourage young Timothy, hey, brother, you need to understand you're a part of something bigger than just what you're seeing. You're part of bigger than what you're just doing right now in your specific area. Different backgrounds, different vocabulary, different denominations, different perspective. But the same salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord with the same mission and goal. And it was one of Jesus' famous last words that is the mission and is the goal, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And listen, I'm going to be with you even until the end of the age. That's the very last thing Jesus said before he ascended to heaven. And so guess what? That's our mission. That's our vision. That's our goal. That's where we're going. And guess what? There's other people that are doing the same thing. And guess what, y'all? We're all on the same team if we're preaching Jesus. Come on. If we believe that, can we lift him up in praise? <clears throat> I said it a few weeks ago on Vision Sunday. A singular piece of wood doesn't make a house. A lone rock doesn't make a foundation, and, and an individual soldier, I'll just kind of carry it to this, an individual soldier doesn't make an army, right? And an individual Christian doesn't make a church. We are a part of something bigger than what we just see right here. This is what I wanted you to know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to bounce around on a few of these verses, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says this, the human body has many parts. And yes, he's going to speak in terms of the body. But I want you to think also in the terms of an army, right? The, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ears say, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Right? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put together each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And if, uh, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, Paul writes. And he says this, if one part suffers... All the parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. All of you together are God's army. And each of you is a part of it. If you know Jesus, I want to just encourage you today that as a good soldier, you and I begin to recognize that we are a part of something bigger. And you are a part of something bigger. And you were never intended to do life alone. We were never intended to do that. You at your highest potential as a person is never to do this thing called life or Christianity alone, right? And I'm going to kind of take it macro church like the big C church. I want you to know that there are people across the world right now that speak a different language, but they're lifting up the exact same name of Jesus that we declare and glorify, right? That's incredible to know that you're a part of that. Another thing that's incredible is that there are people that salute a different flag than we do, but are 
part of the same army of God that we just talked about. I love that. I love that so much. There are people right now, right up the road from where our church sits right here in Murray, Kentucky, that may have a different name on the building, yet, but yet we're a part of the exact same team. And again, if we'll say, you know what? The mission, the vision, the goal is making as many disciples as possible, getting as many people to heaven as possible, preaching Jesus, teaching Jesus. Guess what? Maybe if you're watching, listen, we're all on the same team. We love you. Man, let's do whatever we got to do to make sure that we are lifting up the name of Jesus together. Come on, won't we believe that, Purpose Church? Won't we believe that, everything we've got? I believe it so much. So that's, that's macro, church. Let me kind of bring it within the walls of Purpose Church. Micro, let me just kind of take just a second. Do you feel like you're doing life alone? If you feel that way, listen to me. If you do, I don't think you're living out your full potential of what a soldier of Jesus Christ is called to be. And I want to encourage you, we just launched off cruise about a month ago, and it is not too late to get in a crew. I promise you, if you will commit to it for this season, I believe that God is going to open doors of relationships and honesty and things that you never could have ever happened or had had you stayed in a circle by yourself. No, no, no. Listen, you've got to open up. We've got to say, hey, you know what? This is something I need some people around me, and I am not in this thing alone. I'm not going to do this thing called life and Christianity alone and we want to be a church that helps with that we want to be a church that gives you different ways where you can connect with other people and people that can pray with you and pray for you and help you grow and help me grow and that's the goal of cruise because you know what a good soldier knows that they're a part of a bigger army amen or oh me all right last thing I'm gonna try and land a plane on this one is this idea that soldiers understand suffering now produces benefits later right soldiers get that Suffering now produces benefits later. See, what I want you to know is that a soldier understands that because they start out in basic training. Come on, somebody, right? Everybody that's been in any sort of military uh, in this room, uh, basic training is not fun. Okay, let's just call it that. I remember Jake walking through that uh, as, a, as a National Guard, and he, but he went through basic training, and he served and did all of that. I, and I remember him walking through that season of going to basic training, and guess what? That was tough, I'm sure, all right? I can't imagine the, the suffering that happens in basic training, right? Not only that, but specialty training. Right, the military, they are pushed to their limits. You're talking cold weather, hot weather, like cold water, underwater, like anything, right? Like all over the place. And soldiers understand that suffering now produces benefits later. So what I think Paul was trying to do, he was trying to communicate to Timothy. And he's trying to communicate to us that there is something that comes with a soldier that understands suffering. And I don't know about you, but when I hear the word suffering... I think all of us cringe. Come on, somebody go, ooh. Yeah, there you go, right? That's, that's kind of what we think about when we think about this word suffering, right? Anybody, I don't think anybody's really wishing for more of that, right? I don't think anybody's out there saying, oh, Lord, yes, give me a double portion of suffering today, Lord. Yes, love that. No, no, no. We're not asking for that. I don't think a lot of us do. But uh, the Bible, the more I read the Bible, the more I walk with Jesus every day, I don't think the Bible perceives suffering like we do. I think there's one of two ways that we can perceive suffering. One way is we can say suffering is bad. There's no point other than pain. That's one way we could look at suffering. Or we can look at another way and say, you know what suffering does? It produces something that can benefit us later. And I want to kind of give some scripture to back that up right there because Romans 5.1 says this. It says, therefore, and we've talked about it before. As you're reading your Bible throughout the week and you see something that says, therefore, you're going to ask the question, what is it? 
therefore. Okay, so like just helping you as you're reading your Bible this week. Okay, ask why it's there. Kind of look at the context before, look at the context after because they're really connected, okay? Ask what it's there for. We're going to kind of stay on the, the latter half of it. Since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Paul's right there. I don't know about you. That's why church for us looks more like a party than it does a funeral. You know why? Because of the fact that I remember who I was before Jesus. And yet because of faith in Jesus, God has made me right. And I have peace with God. And he goes on to say because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Is there anybody thankful to think about who you were before you met Jesus? Jesus and the person you are after, you're not quite where you need to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be before Jesus. Is there anybody thankful for that? Come on, give Jesus some praise in this place. I believe it with everything I've got, and so I'm just, I, I just, that's, that's why I'm so fired up about this on fall break. Y'all like, bro, take a chill pill. No, I'm fired all the way up about it, all right? Listen to me. Now we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too. So watch what happens. Hey, in the good times, yo, I'm remembering the faithfulness of God. I'm remembering what he's done. He did it once. He can do it again. Now that's something I'm going to remember. And then watch what it says. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, when we run into suffering, when we have things that don't quite go the way we thought they were. Guess what I'm going to do in the middle of it? I'm still going to rejoice in the middle of it. I'm still going to have that posture that we can rejoice too. That is a promise, I believe, that even in the middle of suffering, you and I can still rejoice. I believe that with all I've got. Watch what he goes on to say. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that those trials, that suffering, watch what it does, helps us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm going through suffering, I have anything but hope, right? I have, I, I, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm bummed. I'm going through this. Why am I going through this, Lord? Why am I dealing with this? And I think you know what the problem is, is we've got the eyes on the wrong thing in the middle of suffering. We got our eyes on the problem instead of the one that controls all of it, right? And I just want to encourage us, if we will put our eyes on Jesus, I believe what begins to happen is suffering now, going through the blood, the sweat, the tears, the basic training, it's going to produce some benefits later, just like that in your life as a Christian, that you are going to suffer and whether you're a Christian or not, bad days are coming. Welcome to Purpose Church. Glad you're here, right? Like, just want everybody to know, hey, it's going to happen. Life is not perfect. It's not going to be great and hunky-dory all the time. But guess what? Suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And it will not disappoint. And I believe that with all of my heart. And I think when we hear this idea of suffering, obviously there's things that happen to us that we can't control. But I think also, especially growing up in America, anything that looks like pain or hard work, guess what? We run from it. Come on, we're out somebody, right? We're like, ooh, I don't want to touch that. No way. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that direction. That looks hard. Looks like some pain. Looks like I'm going to kind of be self-suffering, like inflicting some suffering all my life. And we usually go to the path of least resistance, right? We don't want any pain. We don't want any trouble. We're going to go the easy route. And this is what the Bible says about Matthew 7 when it comes to choosing suffering even in, in your life. You can choose it. Watch what it says. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. 
Right? When you're going down the path that's just easy, everybody's doing it, no resistance, I'm just going to go that way, I'm not going to, the pain, the hard work, the suffering, no, 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 I don't want that. Right? I'm, I'm going to go down the easy road. Well, that path leads to destruction, but the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few people will ever find it. This is what I want you to write down is this idea that the path of least resistance will lead to a prize of least reward. I'm going to say it to you again. The path of least resistance will lead to a prize of least reward. What do you mean, Dustin? I think a lot of times what we do is we're going to take the easy way out. We're going to take the easy road. We're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go where there is no resistance. I'm not going to choose to suffer in what I'm going through right now. I'm not going to choose to have some pain I'm working through, some hard work that happens of, of character being developed and all that. I don't want to choose that. I want to choose the path of least resistance. And guess what happens? It leads to the prize of least reward. I want you to see that there is no fulfillment in that prize. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. And I love that so much. And I, I think so many times we avoid suffering. Like, like if we think, we can, okay, I'm going to go the easy route and we're going to miss suffering. But I'm going to challenge some of us today. Would you begin to, I know it sounds funny, but as a soldier, a soldier understands that suffering now produces benefits later. So there's going to be some areas of your life I want to call out some suffering in. I want to call out some suffering for you. So I want to talk about dating for just a second. Can I talk there? Can I just go there just for a second, everybody? This means yes in Kentucky. All right, cool. So, so dating for just a ladies, listen, when, when you're a soldier, when you're at war, when you are, uh, uh, listen, when you are uh, in an army, like you got to realize that guess what? You dress a little different. You dress a little different as, as a soldier in the army of God. Let me just tell you, you can address attractive, just don't dress to attract. Right? Let me encourage you with that. Guess what kind of dudes you're going to attract if you dress in the path of least resistance? Listen, if you're dressing cheap, don't be surprised when the boy you attract is a paper plate instead of fine china. This thing's hot. It's hot. Sorry. Man, listen, don't be surprised. You know why? You're in an army. You're at war. You're different. And if you want to live differently, you're going to have to live differently to make a difference. So I'm not just going to pick on the ladies right now. I'm going to pick on the dudes right now. You pick on you fellas. Everybody just sit back for just a second. All right, now, fellas, listen to me. Growing up, I remember the, the whole idea, date the girl that puts out. I don't have to treat her well. I don't have to treat her like a lady. I don't have to open the door. I don't have to take her on a date. Guess what? That's the path of least resistance, and that's going to lead to a prize of least reward. And I just want to challenge some of you. What if you suffered a little bit in your dating relationship? What you perceive as suffering well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it how God says it. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to live my relationship with purity like the Bible says. And what may look like suffering is actually producing some fruit later on. So I'm going to challenge you. If you're single, listen, let's date. Let's, let's, let's be engaged. Let's do all those things according to what the Bible has to say to you and I. I'm going to challenge you with that. Okay, we'll talk a little bit more about this idea of, of finances. Maybe for some of us, you're developing habits right now. Again, suffering now develops some fruit and produces fruit later on. You mean you mean my, my $200 a week? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suffer under a little bit of a budget. I know I just cussed at some of y'all in the room right now, right? Suffer under a little bit of a budget. Understand the tithe, trust God, and I, listen to me. It's going to take some denying of yourself, but if you will suffer well, I really do believe that it will produce fruit later. 
I believe that with all my heart. Marriage. Marriage is about suffering well. And I know, I just want to look at that woman right there. I love that woman with all of my heart. And I want you to know that marriage is about being selfless and looking out for the other spouse. Dustin looking out for Allie. Nature tells me, get your own. Figure it out yourself. Do what's best for you. Do what makes you happy. And marriage is about suffering well. It's about saying, you know what, not my will, my, not my wants first. I'm going to put her needs above my own. That's what marriage is about. Maybe some of us need to be switching some things around because we've been thinking about ourselves a lot lately. I don't know what it is. Where, where is God calling you to suffer well so that you can have some fruit later on? I think there's a reason why a lot of people, you know what, when people don't suffer well in a marriage, they'll end up getting, you know, they'll end up uh, separated, split. They're just worried about themselves, divorced. And I don't want that for you. And let's suffer well in the middle of that. The reason that they get in that hard spot in that marriage sometimes and they don't walk through it is because their whole life, guess what's been happening? We're going to take the path of least resistance and that's going to lead to the prize of least reward. Man, let's, let's suffer well. Raising kids. Come on, all you parents in the room right now. That's called a labor of love. All the parents say, amen. Lord, help us. That's a lot of work. Right? It's a lot of work. And I, I just want to challenge some of us in the room Mom and dad, sometimes it's about choosing suffering as well in the middle of raising parents and raising your kids as parents. It's you saying, you know what, we're going to choose to say no to some things, believing that there's benefits on the other side. We're going to choose to say no to saying yes. We're going to choose to say no to saying yes to everything that happens on the weekend. You know why? Because I'm going to have my kids at church. I'm going to have my family here. I'm going to lead us well. I'm going to try and do whatever I can. Say, hey, 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 listen, we're going to be in the house of God together. Uh, there's going to be some things, you know what, they're not going to do everything. There's going to be days that I'm going to say, okay, hey, i got to suffer a little bit. i got to give up some of myself, my time, my energy, my effort to where I'm building and raising kids to be able to honor and love Jesus. Right? I want us to understand that suffering is not all bad. Right? That suffering, if you'll see it the way that God sometimes sees it in the Bible, suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And this hope does not disappoint. I believe that suffering now produces fruit later. And a good soldier understands that. And I think there's nobody else that understood this more than Jesus. Right at the end of the day, I think every single message, I want you to know every single message that we speak here at Purpose Church is going to come back to pointing to the name of Jesus. And I want you to know that you, uh, I want you to know that there's nobody that suffered better then Jesus suffered. Whose job description for earth was coming and saying, you know what? I'm going to suffer. That was his job description. This idea that, you know what? Jesus was saying, I'm at, I'm at war. I'm at war to go against sin, death, hell, and the grave. And I've got a mission that I'm going after. Right? That's Jesus. Like He understood that he was part of something bigger. That he was going to give his life up so that you and I could be a part of the family. I love this so much that Jesus, again, endured suffering so well. Watch what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. He went through the suffering. He went through the pain. He went through the, like the, the, the shame of that and the remorse. I mean, like the, the outcast of that. Like he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Listen to me. I want you to know that Jesus modeled this better than anybody else. You're probably wondering, why in the world did Jesus have to suffer? Why do you have to suffer? I, want, I, I just kind of wanted to take you through what I do usually every week, but usually your head's bowed and eyes are closed. I just want you to look at me right now. Why did Jesus have to suffer? 
I want you to realize that all of us in this room, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. I want us to know that, again, the idea is that God loved us so much. Our sin, it separated us from God. There's nothing that you can do to earn that salvation. You can't be good enough. You can't come to church enough. Like, you cannot do that. Like, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian as much as going and sitting in your your garage makes you a car. Come on, somebody, right? Just coming to church is not what God is asking of you. He wants your life. He wants your sin. And that's the reason why Jesus had to suffer, because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is what I love about Jesus. Even while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. And he gave his life for us. He was willing to go to the cross. That's why he had to suffer. That's why he had to do that. That's why his job description, pay for sin. What I want you to know is that there had to be a payment that took place. Just like you go into the grocery store and you're exchanging money for some groceries, there had to be an exchange of something. That we have this sin, it has to be handled somehow, some way. And Jesus was willing to go to a cross and die on a cross for you and I. And his, his payment on the cross, his blood that was shed for us, the reason why we sing about that, the reason why we're thankful for that is because it was the payment for our sin. What I want you to know is that that, that is an invitation for you to say, you know what, I, I, I want that. I want Jesus' payment. Because if not, you'll spend eternity apart from God paying for your own sin in a place called hell. And I just want to be a loving enough pastor to tell you that, listen, God loves you. He cares about you. Your sin, it separated you from God. But that is not the end of the story because of Jesus. And maybe you're here and you need to put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus today. Listen, just coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just being a part of Purpose Church doesn't make you a Christian. It's when you decide, you know what, I have to put my trust and my faith in Him. And you can do that today. That's the invitation every week. That's what it is every week. That if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So maybe you're in here and that's something that you need to do. Here's what I'm going to ask everybody now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You're in this place. I'm going to lead you through a prayer in just a second. All that is is confession. That's what that is. It's confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. I'm not necessarily asking you to say exactly what I say, but I want you to mean it in your heart. Would you say something like this? Dear Jesus, would you come in my life? Would you save me? Forgive me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you gave your life for me. And I put my trust in you today. Come in my life. Save me and help me live for you from this day forward. Maybe you're here. Maybe that's the prayer that you just prayed. I just want you to understand that that's the best decision that you've ever made in your life. Saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. And we want to be a church that celebrates that. But before we get there, I'm going to ask if that was you and you just said, you know what? I just gave my life to Jesus. I just gave my heart to Jesus. I just asked him to save me. We had one man in the first service raise his hand. Say, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. If that's you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you just slip your hand up and would you just drop it right back down? Hey, I just gave my heart to Jesus. I just asked Jesus to save me. Just asked him to forgive me. You just raise it up and drop it right back down. That'd be awesome. Let's see. Awesome. I love that. I love that so much. I want you to know that it's the best decision you'll ever make. And we want to be a church that, again, is more like a party than a funeral. Because I was once dead in my sin. 
But thanks be to God that Jesus gave me life. Just like he did to some people in this room just a second ago. I'm so thankful for that. And we want to be a church that celebrates that. There's a couple ways that you can let us know. I think you need to tell somebody. And we would love to know that. Obviously, you just raised your hand. But uh, we, want to, we want to just form a relationship with you. So if there's two ways that you can let us know that you just met Jesus. Would you do one of two things? Would you come down after the end of service, after we dismiss? Got incredible people on either side of this stage right now that love you, that want to give you a Bible, that want to answer any questions you might have, that have a new believer's God, that can encourage you, celebrate with you uh, this new relationship that you have with Jesus. That's one way that you can do that and let us know. Another way is you could text the word PURPOSE to 270-229-6488. 270-229-6488. Text the word PURPOSE. And that lets us know that, that you made that relationship decision today with Jesus. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, Purpose Church, don't get up out of your seat just yet, but can you lift your head? And can we put our hands together and give Jesus a big ovation of worship all over this place? People just saving. Jesus saving people in this place. I love that so much. I want you to know that's the vision. That's the vision of our church, connecting people to Jesus, helping them live on purpose. And I just want to take just a second just to tell every one of you, thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your time, showing up, inviting your friends every single week. Uh, listen, we wouldn't want to do this without you. Don't want to do it without you. Couldn't do it without you. And I just want to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart as your pastor. Man, I'm just so thankful to know you, so thankful to give alongside of you, serve alongside of you, and just believe that God is going to continue to do incredible things through our church. He already has, and he's going to continue to. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.